The scripture readings today are consistent. You hear these same readings every Palm Sunday. You know the stories. You know them well. But listen still from this word from God. From Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteousness shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 
Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. And I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem for the last time, as it's told to us by Luke in the 19th chapter. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And he rode along as the people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. And glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, even the stones would shout out. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is one of those days, you know, when I'm supposed to be clever and sharp and smart and come up with something creative and fascinating for you to know about a story that you hear every year in worship. Sorry to disappoint. You know the story, and in the Gospel of John, this story is even shorter. Basically says, Jesus got on a donkey, he rode in, and people said, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There's no dialogue there, there's no interesting banter, there's no anything about how he got the donkey or the colt. There's just, he rode in. And a parade formed around him. People waved palm branches and put cloaks down on the ground like they would do with an entering dignitary of any sort, a king or a military official. And Jesus gets this honor coming into Jerusalem. Now, this is a trick. 
in literature, we know, because we know before this week is out, Jesus will be crucified as a criminal. An insurrectionist, and by the way, we know what that word means now. When I was younger, I used to have to teach people what insurrection means, but you've seen it on TV now, so you know what insurrection is, right? He was rebelling against the government. That was the charge that they put over his head when they said king of the Jews, and they did it in three different languages to make sure everybody understood what he had done wrong. But today they flip the script because what Jesus ends up being crucified for, insurrection, rebellion against the government, is actually what's happening while they wave those branches. That's very good, boys. You've got it. You understand. Palm branches, sometimes we think they use palm branches because that was just what was available. Like we would use, I don't know, oak trees or... Something like that. But palm branches meant more to the people who formed the parade that Jesus rode in on than just an available foliage. Palms were the sign of the nation of Israel. Palms, as they wove them, meant we're proclaiming a new kingdom for ourselves. We're calling for insurrection. We know that this oppressive Roman government that has its foot on our necks can come to an end, and Jesus is just the one to do it. Later on, when the Jews try to rise up fully against the Roman government. They print their own money. They make coins for themselves. They stop using the Roman currency. Guess what's on the coins? Palm branches. We can form our own kingdom. We don't need you. And Jesus will be the kingdom leader. He will be the king of the Jews. Yay. Hosanna in the highest. This is fabulous. Our day has finally arrived. Not knowing, of course, Jesus, when he's in front of Pilate, again, particularly in the Gospel of John, says, my kingdom is not of this world. The people on the parade route want a new kingdom. They want a new king. They want a new way of living. And they think that it's going to happen because Jesus is going to be a military and political leader who will carry them to greatness and out of the oppressive forces they live under. That's a kingdom of this world, though. 
Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So what does Jesus' kingdom look like? Can you imagine the disappointment of these people when they realize that Jesus has not come to instigate a military uprising? They're so disappointed that some of them later say, crucify him in a crowd outside of Pilate's There's a lesson in this for us. I think think we imagine a certain kingdom from God, a certain way of being in the world that God brings us, a way of understanding and interpreting that which is around us. But the lesson here is be careful because we might get it wrong. Exactly what kind of kingdom is it that God envisions for us? Is it one where we are the most powerful, the richest, the best, the most successful? You know, some theologians say we shouldn't use the word kingdom anymore. First of all, people don't understand what kingdoms are because we live in nation states or national governments or things like that. Very few countries have a king. Our country has never had one deliberately. So perhaps we don't understand what a kingdom is, but there's also a sense in which That's not what God intended for us either. Some of these people say we should talk about kindoms, K-I-N-D-O-M. What is the kingdom that God intends for us? Well, if it's not about power and wealth and success, perhaps it's about including those that might not otherwise be included. Perhaps it's about lifting people up out of their despair and offering them something else. Perhaps it's about kinship, which is a sense of enveloping people into community so that we can be warm and encouraged and loved. Perhaps kindom is about Saving grace. The kingdom of the world that Jesus shows us is one of sacrifice and humility and going forward to a cross to offer salvation for all people. Not just the Jews who thought they would land in power, but for each and every one of us. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May his kingdom reign forever. Amen.